Galatians 5. Uh, we're going to start at 16, but we're going to pivot back at 15 again. I feel like my dad. My dad sometimes would stay at a certain point until the Holy Spirit released him. Amen. Um, I'm excited today because I'm growing in my understanding of what the Lord is saying. and He's moving me past my presuppositions. And I come with them. We all do. And so it's good that the Lord can lay bare scripture in such a way that um, it gets past our own defense system. Amen. Our traditions, our ways of seeing things, our misunderstandings, our erroneous doctrines. Amen. Amen. So starting at the 16th verse, and we'll go back to 15 in a minute, but starting at the 16th verse, Galatians 5, 16, uh, and I think we're probably not going to get past 18 today. Uh, should the Lord say the same? Amen. Amen. Galatians 5, 16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not, underline this word, under the law. Amen? I'm going to speak to you today from the title, The Power of the Love of God. The power of the love of God. Now, as a pastor, I've been pastoring for a little while now, and I've noticed that there are members who are younger who are still working, and there are members who have worked themselves half to death, and then they're tired, and they are in retirement. And after the people retire, they still have to figure out what to do with themselves. <laughs> and not everybody makes a smooth transition <laughs> into retirement. Some people really struggle in this area. They have to reinvent themselves, even to the point to where some people, I have a friend of mine who said he was retiring earlier and had made a bunch of money but then got sick of himself and went back to work. <laughs> He retired over and over again. Amen? It's good to get rest. Amen? It's good to get rest. That's good. We don't want to, you know, kill ourselves. Amen? You know, after a while, you know, come on out. Come on out. It's good to get rest. But after a while, the person who is retired soon realizes that we still need to do something. There's still something that we want to pursue. Amen? Amen. As human beings, we are made to desire. I'm going to say that again. As human beings, we have been made, fashioned to desire. Okay? We are not empty vacuums. Amen? We are not to desire nothing at all. Amen? God has commanded even his people to desire him, to love God with all their hearts. Amen? Amen? The question here is whether or not we will desire or love this world or if we will desire or love God. Whether we, were, we will pursue our relationship with God or whether we will pursue the things of this world. So, let's back up just a little bit. Galatians 5.15, where we were last week. 
if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye are not, that ye be not consumed of one another. One another, okay? Now, I said to you last week, biting and devouring, taking heed that we're not consuming one another, that word consume means to cause someone to disappear. Amen? You agitate somebody, or bite and devour them, bring them to anger in the local body, the assembly, to the point to where that person no longer wants to be a part of the body. Amen? Salvation, saints, is essential. But we are not saved to be put on the earth to be in isolation. We are saved and left on this earth to function in the body of Christ. Amen? We do life with the believers. Amen? It's called a church. Amen? The issue was at this time in the city of Galatia, or the province of Galatia, there was a unity problem. Jews and Gentiles, just giving you a review again, were now in the same church. And there were cultural differences. There were, you know, history differences. There were just, you know, folks were not the same. It wasn't just a racial thing. You come with a bunch of stuff with you. You know what I mean? You know, as I said last time when I was at Thanksgiving with some people who were not like me. They brought out some dishes for Thanksgiving I'd never seen before. And then, you know, having COVID, I was concerned because I didn't know. <laughs> couldn't smell nothing, couldn't taste nothing. You know, everybody else was eating, and I guess all right, it's okay, but we're different. But what was the connection? We're all in the body of Christ. Are you hearing me? So there's Jew and Gentile in, in the same church, and you have people who are saved. Uh, but the problem was they didn't know how to respect what Jesus Christ was doing in every individual. Ooh. And so what happens when there is no respect for what Jesus Christ is doing in someone different than you, criticism sets in the body. And so last week what we really saw, just to summarize it, was... Um, how criticism can become a relationship killer. Amen? Amen. But how do we deal with this? Do we all read books that teach us how to be nicer people? Do we go and get college degrees and educate ourselves in getting along better? You know? Uh, Listen to what Paul says. Paul says this. He says, Galatians 5, 16 again. Come on. This I say then, to help you with your problem with getting along and being unified, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, ah, and you shall not fulfill the lust of your flesh. Now, we tapped on this... Uh, uh, Tapped into this last week a little bit. Now, let's go a little bit deeper. All right? The lust of the flesh, better translated here as the desires of the flesh. Okay? Verse 17. For the flesh lusteth or desires against the spirit. And watch this. He's making a, a, a contrasting statement. The flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Notice that it does not say that the spirit lusted. Did you catch that? Okay. That's because the Holy Spirit does not have a lust problem. That would be a very inappropriate thing to say about the Holy Spirit. So the proper word here is the flesh desires against the spirit and the spirit desires against the flesh. Amen? Let me teach this morning. Amen? Come on, Holy Spirit. This is for people like me 
<laughs> who, when I see the word lust, immediately go into some kind of sexual something. That's not primarily what the Holy Spirit is dealing with here. In context, from beginning of Galatians 1 all the way to where we are right now, what we're seeing is a problem of unity. Amen? This is for all the pious Christians listening in right now in this church and online who believe that God may not be talking to them through this particular scripture because your sexual adventures have come to an end. That's not it. He's talking about desires that come out of you naturally that are the exact opposite of the spirit that can be used to destroy relationships, specifically in the church, but also in your family and on your job and your relationships. Amen? Amen? He's saying, basically, that you have natural desires in you that will mess things up if you don't walk in the Spirit. All right. Here's the point. The enemy's tactics, people, are subtle. They are never obvious. Okay? There can be a spirit of criticism that causes division in the body of Christ. My counselor, who I've been with for years, okay, I talk with him almost weekly. Amen? He explained to me that it takes seven positive statements to undo one statement of criticism. He said that we would all be okay if we all on the whole entire planet just took a year off of criticism. We'd still be all right. He says people do not get enough affirmation. They suffer in this area. They get blows to the head all day long, blows to their heart all day long, and they take in loads and loads of criticism. Everybody's got something to say about you. Okay? You see what's happening here? All right. The spirit of criticism normally comes in with people who have a superiority complex. And the only cure against this is truth, meaning the gospel, that brings every believer into a spirit of humility. Amen? That's the only way that this works. We get grafted in by the truth. We must stay in the truth in order to stay together. Amen? Amen. So what was happening? Here we go. The Gentile Galatians, not the Jews, the, the Gentile Galatians that were in the church, were new to the law. Okay? So they were concerned that if they let go of the law, they would be defenseless against their inner impulses to do what they should stop doing. You catch that? And the Jewish circumcised crew, amen, those who were raised with the law, they didn't see the subtle sin of superiority that was living comfortable in them because they were too busy trying to get their so-called heathen church members to live holy by their standards. Uh, somebody's getting it. They couldn't see the sin within themselves. Are you hearing me? Amen. The good thing, saints, is that everybody in the church was somewhat concerned about holy living. That's good. The bad thing is that nobody was an expert. <laughs> Are you hearing me, saints? Nobody knew how to accomplish holiness in themselves, let alone someone else. Okay. All right. Come on, Holy Spirit. So the Jews in the church went back to what they would normally do. They went back to what they knew, which is the law. And the Jews had what was called the doctrine of two 
desires. This is what they grew up in. They believe that God created Adam with two desires and that Adam had the freedom to choose between the two evil desires, uh, the two desires, which is either good desires where we obey God or evil desires where we disobey God. Okay? But watch what their solution, that they, watch the solution to the problem that they suggested. The rabbis believe this. They believe that reading the Torah and memorizing the Torah was enough to conquer the evil desire that were in the heart of every man. And this is what Paul was raised in. Amen? But after Paul met the risen Savior on the Damascus Road, when he ran into Jesus, and when Paul was converted and born again as a follower of Christ, he realized that there was only one way to defeat the civil war in every believer and to make the right choice between the two desires of what is good and what is evil. And that is not quoting or memorizing the Torah, which is the law, but the real power came through love. Paul was saying... That the law never gave anyone the power to do what they needed to do as far as obeying God. All it could do was point the finger at what you were doing wrong. Amen? The fact that, see, you ain't living right. You ain't holy. You ain't holy. Look at you. This is wrong. That's wrong. This ain't right. God is not pleased. Well, thank you very much for the notification that I'm struggling with sin. But the truth of the matter is, I knew that before I came to church. If you're going to be a blessing to me, thank you for pointing it out. But you got to do something more than that. You got to get it in prayer or ask God, give me some advice on how I can defeat this sin. Amen? But just telling me that I'm dealing with it, I already know that. Weren't you a prophet? So when they would see sin in somebody else, <laughs> the response that the Jews would come up with is this. The reason why you're struggling in these areas, saints, is because you have not been circumcised or you're not following the law. You're not right with God all the way yet. There's something missing in your salvation. Paul was saying, listen, people, I was circumcised, I followed the law better than everybody, I memorized the Torah better than Moses. I'm telling you, Paul was saying, and even after that, I went around killing Christians and persecuting Christians, amen? So Paul was saying, I know already this doesn't help you. It can point out the truth. It can make you understand, wait a minute, you need a savior. You ain't right, just in case you don't know. It can make some, some, some uh, lines of demarcation drawn for you so you can go, oh, I'm not supposed to be way over here. I'm supposed to be... <laughs> I didn't know. I thought that was okay for me to live with my boyfriend. No. Paul was saying, I did all that. Paul was saying, but if we're honest with ourselves... You're going to have to admit that even if you had the power, and nobody does, to cross every T and dot every I with the law, you still don't have enough power to defeat the sin that's naturally in you. If we're just honest with ourselves. Come on, somebody. So, the Spirit... And the flesh are not the same. Amen? The flesh has desires that are not the same as the spirit. And the spirit has desires that are not the same as the flesh. And then he says, and these are contrary. You see that? Huh? 17, I believe. And these are contrary. Amen? The flesh postures itself 
against the spirit. The spirit is the adversary or the enemy of the flesh. They're foe. They don't get along. Okay? They are contrary the one to the other. The bottom line is that, like I said, there's a civil war that still exists in every believer even after you get saved. Your flesh will never give in. Your flesh will never submit to God. It will never have anything in common with the Spirit. We need to realize this so that we're not surprised nor discouraged when our flesh rears its ugly, habitual, bad habit having self head. Amen? Amen. Now, when it rears its head, we have a choice of which weapon we're going to use. And the two choices that typically come up is either law or love. Amen? The power of the love of God. Amen? There's only one weapon that works, though. Amen? We must make sure we choose the right weapon. Amen. All right. These are contrary to one another so that you cannot do the things that you would. In context here, again, we're going to stay on, 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 on in context of what's happening here. It is not natural for your flesh to desire to be unified with people who are not like you. It is not natural for you to deal with folks that get on your last nerves in church. Hi, sister so-and-so. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Here she comes every Sunday. She's on time again. <laughs> you made it to service again, did you? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's not natural. Your flesh won't produce this, okay? To get God's desires, you're going to need to get the power of the Spirit to give you God's desires. Are you hearing me? This is what the Spirit desires. He wants unity in spite of differences, difference, because that's a much better picture of the power of God. Are you seeing that? Hey, that's a much better picture. When, when two folks get along that don't naturally get along, but the Spirit causes them to get along, everybody goes, whoa. Now, that's, that's special. I've never seen anything like this. That's like what happened in the bottom of Acts. People were coming together, and they were sharing things and getting together and, and providing for each other's needs. And, and the, the world was sitting on the outside going, I've never seen people like do this before. Never seen it. And the church grew because of the love that we had for one another. Amen. 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 The Holy Spirit is the only one that can give you the desire to do that. He's the only one that can give you the power to do that. He's the only one that can make you want to do that. Amen. Because that takes some power. Amen. Amen. The Jews were preaching the law and saying that the Holy Spirit can accomplish and that he can accomplish impulse control. <laughs> if you get circumcised and follow the law. Paul was saying, you don't know yourself too well. You don't know how much you're, gonna, you're headed towards failure. Amen? There's another power. There's a power available to help us with our sinful lust, our sinful desires. Amen? There's another power to help us unify. In the spirit. Amen? Impulse control does not happen by human willpower. Amen? I think that's what Pastor Rick was praying this morning. Amen? In this flesh dwelleth no good thing. Amen? Impulse control has everything to do, watch this, not with willpower. Amen? Impulse control has to do with desire replacement. This is what I learned this week. It floored me. There must be a new desire in place to override the old desire. 
The old desire is not going anywhere. Have you noticed? So there must be an overriding power that replaces the old power. Somebody getting this? Because we're not made to desire nothing. Hey, that ain't going to happen. Okay? Oh, don't get ahead. Don't go to next week, Jamie. Stay here. For example, if you curse me out real good, I'm going to have old natural desires creep up. Am I right about that, Pastor Rick? I know you struggle here. <laughs> and only because you preach about it. <laughs> Unless there is a spirit-empowered new desire that rises up in its place. Amen? What I'm saying is it's not good enough for you to get rid of your natural desires to retaliate. They're not going anywhere. There must be a new desire from the Holy Spirit in its place to bear with others. A new desire to forgive one another. A new desire to desire reconciliation with one another. Are you hearing me? My old man is going to do what he's going to do. I don't want to speak to her. Do you see how she talked to me? That's what I will do naturally. So that means I'm going to have to have another desire that overrides that desire that says, excuse me, you're not in control, I am. Are you hearing me, saints? Come on, Holy Spirit. The law will never give you the power to do this. This power only comes from the love of God. Amen. Verse 18, almost done. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. (laughs) Okay? You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And in 18 says something different. Ye are not under the law if you are led of the Spirit. The believer, Christians, TLC members, come on somebody. We are not under the law as Christians. Now, I'm going to say this carefully because the first part of it is going to hit you a little funny. But trust me, I'm not slipping into heresy. Just hang with me. We're not under the law as Christians. We have risen above the law. Not to break the law. But because the power that we have access to The power that we have access to conquer our natural tendencies and impulses, that power is above the law. I am not supervised by the law. I am above the law, not to break the law, but the supervisor is not giving me power from the law. He's giving me power from the love of God. So there's not an excuse to sin here. What it is is he's saying there's another law of love. There's another power of love that uh, that, uh, enables me to do what the law cannot help me to do. Are you hearing me? My natural impulses are there, but the power that I need to conquer them is love. Love determines what you will constantly choose to do. It's just a matter of what you desire more. Whatever you love more becomes a choice that you will make time and time and time again. Amen? The Civil War is there, but the Civil War is not an excuse to do some kind of sinful loop. (laughs) No, 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 no. The civil war in the believer is determined by what you desire or love more. This helped me. This helped me. I don't stop sinning because I try hard. 
I stopped the sin because I desire somebody else more. Let that set in for a minute. Watch this, saints. What are you talking about, Patrick? Go to John 14, 15. Oh, Holy Spirit. Come on. My God, set us free today. If, if, but if you love, be loved, no, no, that's not the right one. Give me John 14, 15. Come on. One more thing. Almost there? Okay. Okay, there we go. No. John 14, 15. Did I not put it in there? Okay, not a problem. You know this one. Come on, Keisha. There you go. Thanks, sweetie. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Now, watch this, saints. Our legalistic, moralistic tendencies will say when I look at that scripture, wow, I better do something to help myself to keep God's commandments. I don't love you enough. Okay? But if you just keep reading in that same chapter, go down, Keisha, to the 23rd verse, same book, same chapter, 23rd verse. Here's a clarification. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, desire me, (laughs) he will, oh, keep my words. And my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. If you love God, if you desire God, if that, help me, Holy Spirit, with this. If you love God, you will obey God, but not because of you, because you have help that's in you. Oh, the Holy Spirit is there, and He will put His desires in you. Thanks, Amen. So it's not about being empty or void of any kind of desires. It's about Fighting sin with power. It's not about fighting sin with an empty void, saints. It's about, uh, you know, when you, when you try hard and try hard and you just run out of gas. You know, it's not about that. It's about being filled with the desires of the Spirit. Being filled with God. Why? Because God is love. Are you hearing me? Matthew 6.21, quickly. For where your treasure is, there your heart, parentheses, desires, huh? There will, will your heart desires be also. He's talking about a heart transplant. Amen? A change of desires. You want something really, really bad until you see something much, much better. I'm here to tell you, saints, Jesus is much, 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 much better. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Jesus is better. This principle works like this. Let's say I have a desire to have a thousand shoes like some women. Oh, no. Oh, God, please. Don't let him go down the street. I have a desire to have a thousand shoes, right? That's my desire. That's where my heart is. I'm spending a bunch of energy, energy chasing down shoes. So I can come to church and be like, girl, girl, girl. <laughs> mm, oh, girl. Where you get them, girl? Well, you know. <laughs> we have a desire to fill our closet full of shoes. So you fill your apartment closet with a bunch of shoes. But you soon realize that, you know, this is starting to be immature. Uh, 
and your passion for shoes is getting in the way of something that you want even more. Ah, what do you want more? I'm in this apartment and I desire to have home ownership. So I do the responsible thing. I replace the desire. Uh-huh. I stop buying a bunch of shoes. Huh? You stop buying a bunch of shoes so you can what? Purchase your first house. You stop going to Starbucks every week. You do whatever you have to. All these desires are now, they're not gone, they're just putting, they're putting, being put in the proper place. Are you hearing me? Stop buying the shoes so I can go ahead and get my first house. And as soon as I get the house I want, I realize without even thinking about it that I picked a house with a big old closet. <laughs> it's got a really nice size closet. So what do I do? After I sign my name on the dotted line, <laughs> get my keys, I go back to looking for shoes. So I can go up to somebody and say, girl, my shoes are nice. How's your house doing? Oh, my, my house is nice, my shoes are nice. <laughs> what really happened? Your desires for shoes didn't go anywhere. That's a picture of your flesh, okay? But you also, in this process, proved to yourself that your desires can be replaced with something better. Are you hearing me? If they want something that they think is better, folks will make adjustments. Yes, we will, saints. Desire is written into the fabric of every human heart. It's not going anywhere. The desire to have an object will never go anywhere. The determining factor depends on what you think is most desirable. Which desire is stronger? Whatever that desire is, that will be what you exert all your mental faculties, all of your physical energy and strength. You will pursue that thing to no end. Are you hearing me, saints? If Jesus is your treasure. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If Jesus is your treasure, saints, then he has the power to become the priority in your life. Amen? If he is a priority in your life, guess what happens? This greatly diminishes your ability to slip into things that you should not be doing. Why? Because you're replacing that desire with someone you want more. Are you hearing me? Amen. Amen. You will stop doing a bunch of stuff that you feel, I just can't help it. No, no, no. What will end up happening is I'll be too preoccupied pursuing Jesus. I'm telling you this is real. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you had the choice of somebody you would date, You choose the one that you want the most. No one gets up there and says, well, you know, he all right. You know, his teeth will do, you know. Come here, baby. No. We don't settle. We want what we want. That guy was cute for a minute, but then I saw John and whoo. Sally is hot. Now I put all my energy in front of those people, you know, to what I really want. Same thing with Christ. But those desires must come from the Spirit because the flesh will not produce that desire on its own. So if we be led by the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust desires of our flesh. Amen. Are you hearing me? Jesus is far better. Galatians 5 and 6. I'm almost done. Yep. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision, law, availeth anything. We went over this before. 
nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. The power source of relationships, even, is love. The power source of not doing things to harm each other is love. That comes from the Spirit. Your faith is empowered not by law, but by love. This is the power source for holy living for the believer. This is the power source for all the people that the believer is in relationship with. They were having a problem in the church. You're different than me. I don't know how to deal with you. I think those differences are causing the clash. Amen? What ends up happening? I need the Holy Spirit to help me see you the way he sees you. Naturally, I'm having a problem producing this. But if I humble myself by the truth of the gospel and realize how much God loved me, Then the Holy Spirit can produce in me when I don't forget where I came from and how many second chances he gave me. Then the Holy Spirit can produce in me the power to love someone who's different than me. I'm not just talking about your church. I'm talking about your family members. I'm talking about the wayward cousins. Come on, somebody. Your children. Amen. Amen. Jude 19, uh, Jude 1, 19 through 21. Jude 1, 19 through 21. Talking about before this, if you read it, folks that are out of the will of God, folks that are doing things that they should not be doing, who are led by their carnality. He says, these be those, uh, these be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in what? The love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Hope for Jesus Christ who is coming. Praying the things of the Spirit, the will of God. Amen. Amen? Keeping myself filled with his love. Oh. Keeping myself filled with his love. See, let me just go on a little slight tangent here. The reason Satan wants us fixed on ourselves or fixated on ourselves is that he knows if our minds are ever filled with the truth about how lovely Jesus is, then we'll be too distracted by the beauty of Christ to entertain all the other things that we could normally get into, to entertain all the thoughts that we could have, to entertain the bad attitudes that come with our personality. I'm just naturally this way. No, 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 no. No, no. God can change anybody. You hear me? But you've got to fill yourself up on his love. Amen? You've got to ask for the Holy Spirit to give you the truth about his love. I'm going to go into it a little bit more. As we go down through this last chapter of uh, chapter 5, this last portion of chapter 5, we're going to see how this is applied to several different areas. Amen? Listen, if Jesus is attractive, then my tendency to fall for Satan's tricks are greatly diminished. Mm. Churches that have pastors who constantly fill their sheep with man-centered teaching are not arming the saints enough with enough truth to be able to battle their own natural sinful impulses. If all you think about is you, then you don't have enough truth about God to defend yourself against the things that you would naturally do. Oh. Ah. They have no power 
power because they're focused on my issues, my problems, my money, my situation at the job, my comfort level. Are you hearing me, saints? The power does not come from that. If you're fixated on your own struggles, you don't have any power because nobody has given you a clear picture of how beautiful Jesus really is. Same thing with us parents, and I'm guilty of this. Parents are too busy with the do's and don'ts of the law. <laughs> but that didn't help Paul or any other Pharisee. And if you're not careful, you'll raise a bunch of Pharisees instead of Christians. Amen? Don't just correct them. Show them how beautiful Jesus really is. Oh, saints. Come on, saints. That's the difference. Somebody, why our family is so messed up? Because we're not walking around with love. We're just walking around with do's and don'ts. And before you know it, the do's and don'ts lead us into situations that are much worse because we never looked at how beautiful Christ is. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It does not work. The truth is, is we don't know when God will start working on the heart. We don't know what day God starts to turn the page and huh, flip the switch on somebody. We may not see a lot of signs earlier, but we don't know when God has done that. Amen? So the love for Christ, the desire for Christ is the only weapon that works against our fleshly desires. Amen? If we be led of the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, whatever those things are. The people were giving erroneous solutions to the problem when it comes to holy living. Whether I was raised as a strict Pentecostal, whatever church I came from, whatever happened, it's good that we point to what is right. We must do that. People are in error because the preachers are not sitting in an atmosphere where folks don't feel good about craziness. Everything should not be acceptable. That's phase one, though. That is not the end of the story. The other side of that is, okay, now do we know what not to do. Have you ever taken a good look at who Jesus Christ is? Have you ever looked at this gospel? Have you ever seen what he actually did for you? Have you ever seen how he responded? Have you ever seen your sin? Have you ever looked at what he did in spite of all of your, I'll never do it again? Have you ever looked at that? Have you ever looked at the fact that he came down from heaven to this earth through a woman into a manger and went through all kinds of stuff that was disrespectful to the master of the universe for you? He desired you that much that he gave his life for you. Is that the kind of love you can turn away from? Is that the kind of love that you can reject? Is that the kind of love that you can turn down? Huh? Have you looked at how beautiful Jesus really is? Have you looked at what he's offering? Have you looked at heaven? Have you studied what's coming in your inheritance? Have you seen that? Do you practice delayed gratification by willpower or are you filled with information? Are you in your word to see who Jesus really is? How do you fill yourself with the love of God? No, you don't pour a bunch of oil on yourself in the bathroom one day. No, that's not what you do. What you do in filling yourself in the love of God is you get in that word and you see the promises of God. You see the inheritance that's coming to you. You see that God's promises are true. You notice what he's giving you in spite of what you deserve. And you say to yourself, I wouldn't die for nobody, but Jesus died for me. What kind of love? Who would do that? When you see that, when you study the beauty of Jesus Christ, then there will be a desire that replaces the old desires. You will want him because you realize he's far better. He's much better. Amen? The power of the love of God. 
I'm done. Listen, I don't know who you are, if you're in this building or if you are online. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you will be lost. Amen? Jesus Christ died for your sins. He wants to give you good standing, right standing with God. Amen? He wants to give that to you, but you must turn from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ to save you. Amen? Even the gift of faith comes from God. Amen? My prayer is that you get in some Bible-believing church that trusts in the truth and teaches the truth, and you find what the Word of God says about you, what the truth about God is, and see who He is in comparison to you so you can grab a hold of Jesus Christ for your life. Not just this one, but the life that is to come. Do you know where you're going when you leave here? Are you satisfied huh, with this world more than you are satisfied with Jesus? Are you secure in your salvation with Jesus Christ? Do you have hell insurance? Do you have it? You're going to need it. Amen? Trust in Jesus Christ. He loved this world so much that he gave his life. Do not turn away that love. You don't have to be the same as you were yesterday. You can change right now. Place your faith in Jesus Christ. He will save you. He will save you. Amen. Amen. Amen.